0: Hello, folks. It really is nice to see you. You know, you're a handsome bunch. Did anyone ever tell you recently? You know, and you you realise, of course, that gathered together like this, you absolutely scare the devil to death, don't you? Yeah. You might feel to be a rabble, but trust me, you're an army. Yeah. Those of you who were here last Sunday, uh, Nigel's sermon was on Psalm 95 which begins with the words, O come, let us sing. And this morning, our given passage is Psalm 98. So if you'd like to turn to it, it starts, Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast from the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity you came a gnats whisker from me standing up and trying to sing this (laughs) (coughs) okay now some of you well one of you will be disappointed and and the rest of you will realise what a close shave it was (laughs) and those who listen um, to our sermons on the internet will be breathing a sigh of relief about now It's always thought-provoking to listen to parts of your own sermon being preached the week before, you are yourself planning to preach it. (laughs) So I must put anything I'm going to share this morning in context with what Nigel shared on the 21st of August and suggest that if you weren't here or you were in some way prevented from hearing it, that you get on the internet and you listen to it. And if you are listening to me on the internet and haven't listened to Nigel's of the 21st of August, may I cordially suggest you listen to that first. (laughs) The place I came to is is this. It's not really what Nigel had to say last Sunday or or what I felt God had given me to share this Sunday. It actually is what God has to say, isn't it? It's not about the plumbing. It's not about the preacher. It's about the the living water and the refreshment so my conclusion has to be that God wants to say again much of what he said last Sunday Uh, why I can only speculate it could be that you weren't here last Sunday and need to hear this Uh, it could be that you were here last Sunday but you didn't get it Uh, it could be that it's so important that God wants to say it twice (laughs) Uh, I'm sure there are other reasons I'm not speculating on. And if you want, you can grab me after coffee with your list. Now, the background to Psalm 98 is it's not definitively known. Uh, There's no help at all to be found in its title, which is a psalm. And some commentators suggest that it was written after the deliverance of the Israelite nation from Egypt, uh, a historical event Uh, which the content of the psalm would seem to fit. Uh, The majority, however, suggests that Psalm 98 comes from the period at the end of the Babylonian captivity when the nation of Israel was allowed to and was returning home. The Jewish nation had been in uh, captivity because it had separated its relationship with God from its morality and its ethics. Uh, They had then replaced relationship with religion and one which was selective in what it applied at that. They followed this up by riddling the religion they had created with compromise and with hypocrisy. And as Micah pointed out, they'd sought through copious animal sacrifices to cover their sin instead of repenting of it and in the midst of national disaster joel in joel 2:12 would prophesy this even now declares the lord return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning rend your heart and not your garments Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. The thing that always jumps out at me in this passage is, is the start of verse 13. Rend your heart and not your garments. It's not about what it looks like it's about what you're doing in your heart. So the Babylonian exile it, it, it is difficult, I think, for us culturally to understand the distress that this has caused. It had been clearly and unambiguously prophesied, Joel, Micah, Habakkuk, and they had ignored it. Because through his prophets, God was desperately seeking them out, calling them back to his heart, you know, as a spurned lover might say, you know, don't, don't do this. And because it was incontrovertible that God had been just in his dealings with them. So adding to their pain, we read in Psalm 137 and from verse 1, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. It's actually not easy to understand whether they hung um, their harps in, in the poplars to, to actually sabotage being forced to sing the songs of Zion um, or whether in fact they were forced anyway but you get a a grasp that they were being asked here or instructed, commanded to sing the songs of home which they had lost to sing the songs of salvation which they had thrown away Uh, to sing the songs associated with their worship of God which they could no longer practice in the temple to sing the songs associated with their chosenness by God the songs associated with their joy in the Lord and his in them and they'd thrown it away and they knew, they knew, you know uh, bitter can be the taste of hindsight our songs gain special significance to us today. <clears throat> I'm going to give you some of my examples. I'm not going to ask you for yours because I will doubtless be shocked by your taste. Um, <clears throat> when I was in hospital, uh, um, uh, recovering from, from heart failure, uh, hospital is, is a, it's, it's a good place to get better. It is a bad place to get any rest and uh, this was particularly enlivened by the fact that there was a a fellow patient on the ward who was a little bit confused and kept climbing into bed with the other patients (laughs) bearing in mind this was a heart ward (laughs) so I was there I was ill Um, you know I couldn't couldn't go more than a few feet I guess from, from the bed and it would be true for me to say I was a bit down. And uh, Belinda said, Well, I can see you're getting no rest. I've got you a, a little CD player. So that dates it immediately pre iPod, doesn't it? And here is, a, here is a CD of some Christian music which someone has given for you. Which, you know, if you, if you can't sleep, just play that, you see. And, uh, and, and I did. You know, and it was lovely. It was beautiful music i actually had a look for the cd this morning couldn't find it okay but i don't like to listen to it now because it has gained an association with a time that was distressing it's not the music it's the association that it has gained uh, here's, here's another one um how many people have been baptized Okay, few conversations we might need. Um, <clears throat> when when I was baptized, uh, they always sang a song called "Trust and Obey." When you got baptized, there's a few sage nods going on here. <laughs> now, if you had been baptized, it went like this: there'd be this great explosion of "Trust and Obey," gurgle bloop, gurgle bubble 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 <laughs> gurgle bloop. Boop. To be happy in Jesus, but you trust and obey. You see. So, whenever I hear "Trust and Obey," I think of my baptism. It's got that association. Um, let's try uh, try another one. Uh, over 20 years ago, when Belinda and I were In the first year of our marriage, we went on a a touring holiday in Europe down to the Riviera. We got up early one morning and we packed our stuff into my Ford Orion GL with the sunroof. (laughs) And we set off from Interlaken over the Alps down into Italy. As we got into Italy, the weather changed. It was early September from slightly autumnal to really full-blown summer. And we got changed and lay by in our shorts and our t-shirts and we carried on. And we ended up driving on the auto route through uh, Italy. Well, Autostrava became an auto route through into into France. And the sunroof opened and it was beautiful. And to the left, you got flashes of the Mediterranean Sea. And to the right, there were vineyards going up the rugged countryside. And the roads switched back through tunnels. And we had on the tape player... Brothers in arms, dire straits. (laughs) Okay? I can never hear any part of that without remembering that journey. I can smell the air. I can see the light. Songs gain associations. So Psalm 98 begins, Sing to the Lord a new song. Now, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't give us permission not to sing at all ok indeed it, it flat out tells us that we should it doesn't say we can't ever sing the old songs but suggests that this moment of salvation and redemption is the time to sing a new one and it does not in any way suggest or demand a degree Of proficiency at singing. Okay. Further, it says in verse four, "Shout for joy to the Lord; all the earth burst into jubilant song with music." So, not only are we all instructed to sing, all of us. We are all instructed to shout and for the avoidance of doubt unless you come from another planet entirely the phrase all the earth includes you <laughs> <laughs> and to top it off this is by no means the only place in the word of god we are told to shout okay now you i'm sure that you are you know deeply spiritual people much more so than me So when someone's standing here and says, let's shout to the Lord, I'm sure none of you ever think, (laughs) "Shout." is he to tell me to shout? (laughs) Okay, we'll come back to that. (laughs) In Luke 1, we read of the pregnant Mary, mother of Jesus, meeting the pregnant Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist. And the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And translated literally, Elizabeth sounds off with a great cry. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now this elicits uh, for Mary uh, a great uh, prayer of worship, which we today call the Magnificat or, or, or Mary's song. And it's called such because in the Greek text, Mary's song is laid out exactly as a psalm is laid out. She sang it. Now for the theologians amongst us, or the theologians presently in Yorkshire, Adam Clarke notes the parallels between Psalm 98 and Mary's song. He notes this. The whole psalm, whether it record the deliverance of Israel from Egypt or the Jews from their Babylonish captivity is to be ultimately understood of the redemption of the world by Jesus Christ and the proclamation of his gospel through all the nations of the earth. Now, if you just think about it, let's just pause. Those of us who may have difficulty when instructed to shout. Okay. Here we have, in the New Testament, the mother of John the Baptist shouting, and the mother of Jesus Christ singing Okay, what could be greater encouragement what could be uh, the giver of great, greater liberty to do these things okay. isn't something that's in psalms isn't some old testament thing here it is Okay. the big guns shout and sing so back to the psalm We've got to ask, I suppose, what what all the singing and the shouting is about. Okay? Uh, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God Uh, folks that's us isn't it it's true of us has the Lord not made his salvation known to us through the sacrifice of his son has he not demonstrated both his love and his righteousness together all at once Is our welfare not constantly his concern? Is there anywhere his salvation cannot reach? Now The greater part of Psalm 98 it's about deliverance and redemption and those who know the Lord our God have been delivered and redeemed. Which is a bit of a problem if we don't want to shout and we don't want to sing now if I may a word about singing proficiency um, my mum she passed away uh, some years ago <clears throat> she was a uh, I don't think the possessor of a fine singing voice and 30 years of smoking pretty much finished it off um She was a nanny before she married and a nursery nurse thereafter. She was, and I don't know if you know people like this, she was a child magnet. The kids would always flock to her. And they would always ask her to sing. Okay. Why? She knew the words. Okay. She knew the words. If you were under five, you would always ask my mum to sing. A, because she would, and B, because she knew the words. You see, in their innocence, they weren't identifying that this was a a poor singing voice. They just cared that she knew which way the wheels on the bus went. (laughs) Who knows the way the wheels on the bus go? Very good, well done. She had a voice, frankly. Oh, very good. She had a voice, frankly. It sounded like a cement mixer in a gravel pit. Okay, but it didn't matter. She knew the words and she sang. And it was an act of innocence to be with her and sing with her. Okay, I'll try again. Why do ladies, generally, I know there'll be exceptions, and if there are, they're almost certainly in this room, like their menfolk to buy them flowers? When you think about it, the girls usually know the kind that they like and the combination in which they like them better than their fella. They have a clearer idea as to the price and value of flowers and therefore what is an appropriate price to pay. They could probably plan the purchase of the flowers better in order to have the freshest and longest lasting blooms. They know better than their men which vases they are at home and what will fit in them. (laughs) You see, fragrant, colourful and enchanting, though a bunch of flowers may be, it's not really about the flowers. It's about a token of love offered freely and you know it doesn't really matter if the flowers aren't perfect. It's about a token of love (laughs) offered freely and you know it doesn't matter if the flowers aren't perfect thankfully. (laughs) So irrespective of our singing talent when we worship God in song it's actually not about the sweetness of the melody or the glory of the harmony you know if you believe you can't sing and statistically very very few people can't sing you need to understand that your song of praise is acceptable because it comes from you. Okay, Not because of how tuneful it is. And for those of us who fancy we can hold a tune, we should remember that in actual fact God already has a choir. Yeah. <laughs> and we are not presently members of it. <laughs> they were on tour, for example, at the time Jesus was born okay and it's fair to say that we aren't to their standard yet so we should sing now being churchified folks none here being strict Baptists our tendency at this stage is to move to the question of appropriateness or or You know, let's be dead honest, inappropriateness. (laughs) When is it an appropriate time to sing? Well, we're in luck. Because I have here an online survey. uh, A a copy of which... I'm so sorry, I forgot to give you that. (laughs) A copy of which... uh, (laughs) Which Belinda has redacted some comment, which I'm not allowed to tell you. When is an appropriate? Well, sorry. When is an inappropriate time to sing? Number one, when the person you're sitting beside is having a seizure. <laughs> <coughs> when is an inappropriate time to sing? Number two, when your friend is asking you advice about relationship problems. When is an inappropriate time to sing? During an execution in Texas. I assume that that's where they have them. When is an inappropriate time to sing? During open heart surgery. When is an inappropriate time to sing? In divorce court. When is an inappropriate time to sing? Whilst conducting a surprise attack. (laughs) When is an inappropriate time to sing? And this one worried me. When you have just had a violent breakup with your boyfriend slash girlfriend and ended up rendering them unconscious and or dead. <laughs> As discussed, there were quite a number which I've edited out and one more which my wife has. <clears throat> I, I don't know why, I just keep coming back to 1 Peter 2.9. Okay? It's about us. It says you, but I'm I'm a member of that team. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. And David writes in Psalm 34, His praise shall be continually in my mouth. We have to think very hard uh, to come up with a time when it is inappropriate to praise God in song because it's in the context of there never is a time when it's inappropriate to praise God. Uh, when I was looking at the survey, quite a few people said inappropriate time to sing at a funeral. <laughs> well, and you know... Uh, I'm not expecting it to occur in the near future, but if it's mine, I expect the singing to be really roistering. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't go with that. So, what should we sing about? <clears throat> well, in, in the world, of course, they do. Most of the, most of the songs written today are, are songs of love. You know, you get the odd one, paperback writer. Okay, but mostly... <laughs> Mostly it's him telling her how much he loves her or her telling him how much she loves him. So what do we as Christians sing about? Well, in the case of the psalmist, Psalm 98, and with Mary in in Luke 1, there were three components, and you're very welcome to, to sort of forensically take it apart and look at it later if you want. Who God is, what he has done, And what he is doing now. And uh, one uh, commentator, perhaps a little flowery, said we should think of them as three glorious gems in one setting. And for each component, the setting is of a, a happening relationship with God, a relationship that is alive. A relationship that is off the present. A relationship where there is interaction with God now. Okay, a relationship where it's all kicking off. Now, the lovely Belinda and I have been married twenty-three years. Did I get that right? Twenty-four. <laughs> I I was there. Fourth of July. Okay. Independence Day, yeah, but not for me. I'm just trying to work out how am I going to pull you back to this sermon. Come on. (laughs) The new song is a song about our ongoing relationship with God. It's a new song because we've discovered something new or by God's actions rediscovered something we already knew about the one we love Okay, and if you've been married and if you've had a long term relationship with with a partner that is true there as well and that illustrates what I'm trying to say about our walk with God it's a new song because we've recalled something he's done in our lives in the past that perhaps we'd, we'd forgotten it's a new song because it is a response to his promises in our lives it's a new song because he is relating with us and we with him now and through and though the through the song we will be hearing something because it has become the song of the moment now it's quite important that we just understand what I'm trying to say here when it says sing unto the Lord a new song um, that doesn't mean um, that we literally have to write new songs um, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with uh, you know songs of praise and worship in in, in past years you know um, amazing grace is still amazing okay what we're trying to get our heads around here is that if we are asked by the Lord to sing a new song it isn't about the date the song was written uh, or indeed if it's been written down at all it doesn't matter whether it's in tongues it doesn't matter if it's English or Serbo-Croat it's instead the leading edge of our personal relationship with God expressed in song that's the new song So, I'm going to park the whole issue of clapping for another day. I think singing and shouting is enough for any sermon. Let's go back to shouting though. The phrase something to shout about has passed into common usage. And would you say, children of God, that you have something to shout about? would you say children of god you have something to shout about yes got there in the end (laughs) the most common use of shout in the word of god you'll find find in psalms it, it, it actually talks about shouts of joy or shouting in joy um, as well as singing and you do you find them together shout for joy and sing sing and shout for joy you'll, if you want to have a quick whistle uh, whistle through and check that you'll, you'll see that that's there but again it's back to this whole issue of a happening relationship with God just as singing it's about a relationship that's alive a relationship of the present it's about interacting with God right now it's about a relationship where it's all kicking off. Now, folks, I know that we do not like drawing attention to ourselves. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. But we should also understand, profoundly understand, that in the context of worship, shouts of joy draw attention to God. And we should not be fooled into thinking that if we are shouting for joy, it's about us. If we are shouting to, for joy to our God, it's well, it's about him, yeah. isn't it? Now, I can, I can tell you this very, very plainly. I can speak for all of your elders in this. Um, <clears throat> when we are singing new songs your elders can be trusted to tell you when it's time to stop and we long for the day when we have to (laughs) and when it comes to shouting to God in the context of our corporate worship you can rely on us to tell you when to stop And we long for the day when we have to. Okay. Much of what Nigel shared last week, um, and and actually, if you've been a consistent attender on Sundays, you will see the thread. Much of it is about us, our relationship with God, bringing that relationship with us on Sunday morning and expressing it. I I love uh, personally. I just love it when people come and say something that starts with uh, "Well, I was reading the Word in the weekend." I was struck by, you know, I was spending time with the Lord and, you know, I was spending time in prayer and because this speaks of a happening relationship, a now relationship, okay, and that is the fountain of singing new songs and shouting for joy. Okay. So finally, Colossians 3, and starting at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, This and heartfelt gratitude to God is the engine room that drives the psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and our thanks to the Father. I'm going to say that again, hopefully getting the words out correctly. This and heartfelt gratitude to God is the engine room that drives the psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and our thanks to God the Father. And if we as a people want to worship in a church of of new songs we've got to attend to our individual relationship with God to know better who he is to remember more clearly what he has done and to be intimately involved in what he's doing and if that doesn't get us singing I honestly don't know what will okay now, uh, I did I did toy with the idea at, at this stage of uh, of actually saying, well, um, maybe we should have the sermon and then we should have the worship. But I don't th- I don't think that's fair. You see, when we are worshiping God, we are not involved in some kind of performance art. Okay, we're worshiping God. We are lifting Him high. We're expressing our adoration. To him we're glorifying him, so when you share something like this, there's a danger that people feel that they have to perform all right and I, I that's that's not our heart in this Nigel, actually, if you recall last week, we didn't finish with a song, and I'm sure it was for that reason that is that is not our heart, but my heart is 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 this that next Sunday having attended to our relationship with god having spent time with him and appreciated better who he is and what he has done and from the leading edge of what he is doing in our relationship with him well well that's different isn't it okay so i'm going to i'm going to bring it to a to a stop there um And we're not going to uh, have a song to close, Um, but we will pray. Is that all right? Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful for what you have done, for who you are and what you are doing. Stir our hearts, Lord, that we will be singers of new songs. Stir our hearts, Lord, that we will be shouters of joy. Take away, Lord, uh, self-consciousness. Take away, Lord, uh, worries about what other people might think. Uh, Take away, Lord, concern about whether this is right or that is right. And fill our hearts, Lord, with your love that we might express to you our adoration better in Jesus name